0: Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner Since 96, and you are listening to my post-match reaction podcast where Arsenal have lost to Southampton at St. Mary's. Uh, we are now out of the FA of the FA Cup. This was a fourth round tie. And then the reason why I sound very jolly is because I have processed it in a matter of six no nine hours. Uh, I'm recording. It, I'm recording this quite late, and I have been able to digest this properly. Normally, it's um, it's a matter of about an hour, max, where I get to gather my thoughts. Uh, but obviously, because of the really early kickoff at twelve fifteen, it's given me some more time to, yeah, to to, to be able to just think about. Everything. Look outside of the box. Look inside of the box. Look around of the box. And this is gonna be a uh, a little bit of an unorthodox um, podcast. Did that make sense? An unorthodox podcast. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to be um, talking through the game as much. I'm not going to be analysing every 10 minutes who played well i mean yeah i would like to talk about certain themes in the game out of the game and what we learnt from the game i think that's more important than looking at the game it's all good looking at the game you look at the game and you know you explain what you see and you you sort of explain your interpretations of what you see that's great that's brilliant But what's more important, and I'm talking more of a therapeutical benefit, um, as Arsenal fans, rather than looking at the game, we should try and maybe look past the game, the repercussions, the symbolic importance of losing this game, the meaning of the FA Cup and why fans are so disgruntled with the performance, and with the team selection. There are a number of questions that I'd like to answer, many of which I haven't written down. In fact, I haven't written down any questions. Um, I I would like to treat this episode as one where I can freestyle more, allow my thoughts to be released in an authentic way, an original way, because um, usually I would plan my uh, podcast. Well, when I say plan, I mean more of, you know, jot down a few notes uh, you, just to remind myself what happened during the game. I'd write down every 10 minutes what's happened, the key, key things, the general mood, blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah, And so um, today I, d- I want to stay away from that a little bit, cast my mind back to the feelings of the game rather than what happened. Who's to blame? Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's get started. Let's get started. This is going to be an interesting one. One that's, I mean, I've got problems with this game, real problems, and I'm not relating to problems that, um, I'm not familiar with, these are unfamiliar problems. I'm not sure why I feel a little bit meh. This defeat doesn't sit right with me and it doesn't sit right with me for all the wrong reasons. I'm not happy that we lost this game. I'm not happy to be knocked out of the FA Cup. I'm quite annoyed that we lost it in the manner that we did. But what bothers me more than anything is the reaction of the fan base. And that's difficult for me to say and speak about because more than anything, more than everything, I respect the fans opinions. I respect every single fan's opinion. Doesn't matter how outrageous it is. Doesn't matter how shallow it can come across to be. Doesn't matter how maybe nonsensical it might be to me or to anyone else. I respect their opinion. More than I respect most people's opinion. Arsenal fans' opinions matter uh, matters the most to me. Um, and that's because the beauty of this sport is that it allows us to express and interpret the game um, in a way which is different to anyone else. We could be what both watching the same game, but interpreting it completely differently. And that's that's the beauty that's the beauty about the game. That's the part I love about this sport. But there are certain explanations and certain, I don't know, um, shall we say reactions, immediate reactions, emotional reactions, that just doesn't sit right with me. My, I, I don't know. I feel a little bit, ooh, you know, a bit sick. But not in a kind of gruesome way that I've witnessed the murder. It's a sick kind of way. It's an uncomfortable feeling. It's as if you're... I don't know, you're out and you you spot your ex-girlfriend and she looks at you, but she's holding hands with her new boyfriend and it sort of gives you that little... And, um, yeah, that's the kind of feeling that I'm talking about. We'll, we'll get into the, all of that in a minute. Not in a minute, probably 20 or 30 minutes down the line. But let's talk about the game itself. So, um, the starting lineup for me, and, you know, there is another problem. One of the main issues that... A lot of people seems to be seem to be talking about is the starting lineup. For me, I have to be honest with you. Um, I was expecting a mixed bag today, and maybe I should give you my thoughts on the game on on how I interpreted this FA Cup tie. We obviously play them twice in the space of three days. Now that is relevant. In the sense that we are playing the same team twice in two different competitions and um, we will obviously, well, both teams will obviously be approaching both games differently. Now, that wouldn't have mattered. Um, I mean, it would have mattered as much as it did if if we were playing any other team in the Premier League. The fact is that we have got to play a Premier League game in the space of three days of playing our FA Cup fourth round type. That's massive. That's important because it shows us that we cannot play the same eleven that we're going to play tonight or today, sorry, earlier on in the game against uh, Southampton at St Mary's in the Premier League. Doesn't make sense. If you want to risk players getting injured, fine, be my guest. Doesn't give players enough time to rest and doesn't allow them to be able to play at the same intensity level. The mentality going into both of these games are really important. So team selection for me is important. Um, So maybe I should maybe I should clarify how I viewed this game. So going into this game, um, I have to say this season, I I haven't been a massive fan. I haven't been very infused into the idea of progressing into through the FA Cup. Um, That's not to say that I didn't want to win the FA Cup. Of course I do. Who doesn't? It's a trophy. It symbolises winning. It symbolises greatness. It symbolises the great um, honour and, you know, greatness of a club. I can't seem to think of another word for great. Well, that's that's the first. Anyway, um, so going into this game, I just felt, I, I just didn't feel the same feelings that I usually feel towards the FA Cup. I guess winning it just recently, you know, it only seems like yesterday where we beat Chelsea, but you have to contextualise everything. And for me, the way I've contextualised this season, it's very simple. We need to make sure that whatever formula Arteta is trying to work out, whatever tweaks that he's making it needs to be perfected for next season so for me personally I would love for Arsenal to do all their experimenting in the Premier League whatever they, whatever he seems to be doing, it, you know, it is having an impact. It's making some sort of a change. It's happening. We can see it. There are glimpses there. Unfortunately, we can't see the full picture because he doesn't have the right players there. Having said that, the players that he has at his disposable, disposal, he is doing a very fine job of tuning them perfectly, making them look as good as he possibly can. And we're seeing that. We really are. We, we, we are seeing that. However, You're not going to be able to play the same 11 players every single week. And we know that there is a big, big transition job at Arsenal right now. And the best way, I believe, to get the full picture of what we could potentially look like by next season is by working in the Premier League. And the europa league the europa league is pivotal because it allows us to get to champions league football the league right now is all over the place it's really difficult to say where arsenal will finish you can make a guesstimation of saying right judging by the current form what's happened this season we'd be happy if we finish eighth top eight yeah eight to six maybe but It's not ridiculous for me to say that there is an opportunity for Arsenal to finish as high as possible. And as high as possible could mean winning the league. And look, I hear you, of course. I am talking out of my arse. I have no idea what I'm going on about. It's a bit far-fetched. And it is. It is a bit far-fetched. It's way too far-fetched. But is it too far-fetched to say that United could be six points clear of Liverpool? the beginning of the season or a month ago? No. If Arsenal had got those two points at Crystal Palace, we would be sitting somewhere different right now and in a little bit more of a cushy, comfortable situation. And that brings me to the FA Cup. I don't see Arsenal having the squad depth to concentrate on free tournaments. If I had to pick with the two that I want Arsenal to focus on, it will be the Europa League and the Premier League. The FA Cup for me is great, but the FA Cup should not be a priority. Our priority right now should be to um, transition into the club we want to be next year so that we can mount a serious challenge on the title. Okay, there is no way in hell I think we're going to win the league this season. Just let me clarify that point. But if we put all of our energy into the Premier League and the Europa League, maybe, just maybe, we might be able to see the impossible appear in front of our very eyes. Um, and yeah, so that brings me to the starting selection. I expected it to be a mixed bunch. I expected Arteta to go for a week inside his B team effectively so that in the Premier League we can play our A team and we can get those vital free points that are so important right now and i get it look people are gonna say well look at the season we've had we're clearly not gonna get relegated so does it matter where we finish of course it matters it matters for so many reasons in order to get a good momentum going into next season we need to finish as high as possible for financial reasons for bringing in players reasons for general morale reasons just it it matters so much and if it didn't matter then (laughs) The middle of the the teams that sitting in the middle wouldn't really care. It'd just be probably sitting around. You know, we can probably get in around tenth, eleventh, twelfth. This isn't a club, by the way, that's trying to avoid relegation. This is a club trying to win titles, Premier League titles, one that have we haven't won since two thousand and four. So I think it's incredibly important to be as good as you can be in the Premier League. Because if you're not, then problems start to appear and we won't be able to build on what we have had in the last month, which has been really, really good results. And more importantly, pretty good performances as well in, in, in some of those games. Okay. I've waffled on for about 13 minutes. Let me talk about the starting lineup. Right. So we had Leno in goal. There's no surprise there. I didn't expect. um Matt Ryan to start, though it would have been nice for him to start. Of course, he was eligible to start that game. However, he obviously needs time to integrate. So Leno starts for us. Bellerin on the right hand side. That was a bit of a surprise. I did expect Ainsley Maitland-Niles to start this game. However, Bellerin did miss the last game, last few games, actually. So it sort of made sense for him to step in. Um, So Bellerin on the right. Then he had Holden and Gabriel. Um, I expected that. Uh, Gabriel hasn't played in the last six, I think, because of the COVID situation. A little bit nervous. Actually, I tell a lie. I was looking forward to seeing him. So it was good to see Gabriel there with Holding and Holden, who's been having really good performances lately. Um, it looked solid on paper. Okay. And then you had Cedric on the left hand side. And again, makes sense because you don't want Tierney. In fact, if, the, if, the, if there was one thing that I was worried about with this team selection is seeing Tierney's name there after what happened against Newcastle. I was praying that he wasn't there. And thankfully, um, Arteta got the memo. So... Cedric played instead of T N E, which was good. We still don't have a natural left back at the club, something that hopefully the um, Edu and and Arteta are are going to be addressing. Funnily enough, we were playing against the player that we've been heavily linked with. Um, In the middle, we had Elneny and Shaka. Expected, you know, I would have wanted to have um, Partey ready, fit, fresh as ever to play against him in the league. So there was no surprise there. And uh, in fact, I would have preferred maybe to have Willock instead of Shaka, maybe. But then his current form has been all over the place. In fact, he didn't even make it on the bench. Hmm. Or did he? He did. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong uh, list. I was looking at starting eleven. So uh, our front three, because obviously we're playing four two three one. So our, our three before the lone striker, you have got Pepe on the right, Willian center, Martinelli on the left, and Nketi up front. So I expected that. There was no surprise with the starting lineup at all, other than Bellerin. Everyone else was sort of expected. Okay? And what did surprise me, what did throw me off a little bit, was Southampton starting 11. They went with their strongest possible lineup. And that immediately showed me, because I was a little bit unsure as to what type of game they were coming to play today. They themselves have problems of their own. They've got a lot of COVID problems. They are, they don't sit very, um, they're not sitting in a very pretty position in the league. They haven't, they've only won once in their last six games. Loads of draws as well. So, you know, they've been struggling with form. So it was interesting to see them play such a strong lineup against us in the FA Cup. It showed me instantly that, you know, they're going to go for it and you can't blame them. They haven't won a trophy in God knows how many years. Only one FA Cup in the cabinet. Um And I think this would be a really good opportunity for them to go for it. So Ralphie showed us that, um, yeah, he was going to absolutely throw all of his cards in this game, which means that on Tuesday, he will definitely be mixing things up a little bit and we will be seeing a weakened Southampton side. Um, Yeah, I mean, was I nervous after seeing these starting 11s? Um, I don't know if nervous is the right word I was looking forward to it, but I was apprehensive. I was looking forward to it because there are players on our starting 11 like Shaka, Martinelli, Pepe, Bellerin to some extent, Cedric, Gabriel, all of which have either got a lot of talent or have played a lot of first team football. So there's a lot of experience there. However, I have forgotten the main ingredient to making things work with Arteta's 4-2-3-1, which was our number 10. It all relies on this. I, I, I believe that there are two positions in this team, in this formation that make everything, that make the system work. And that is our central midfielder, Uh, And I know there's two, but you you only need one of them to make things work. And our number 10, the central midfielder glues the defensive, the defensive and the attacking side together. And the number 10 allows the attacking, uh, the attacking side of the formation to work efficiently. Without those two, you've got nothing. Well, without those two, you've got what we saw today in the first half and what we have been seeing for the for majority of the season, actually. poor performances. OK, so let's start off with the game, shall we? The game itself starts off um, as it's continued to do so up until the 55th minute, which was Southampton just relentlessly going at it. And they they were brilliant today, I have to say. They mastered their game plan to the T. They did everything that they needed to do. And they made us look really, 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 really poor. And you almost forget that the Arsenal team that started today missed, well, there were seven changes made and seven crucial players that make Arsenal tick. No Emil Smithrow, no Saka, no Partey, no Obameyang, no Lacazette, no Tierney. There's someone else that I'm missing. I just can't seem to figure out who at the minute, but I know there were seven changes made. Um, However, that's six crucial players, six key influential players that have grinded out results for us. Not even grinded out, but they all work together in making Arsenal look like what Arteta wants us to look like. And we looked poor. Poor, poor, poor embarrassingly poor. Um, They started off with pressing high, playing the ball further up, um, forcing set pieces. I mean, that first set piece, I don't know, maybe it was a second set piece where, um, what's his face? His face is Ward Prowse. Ward Prowse puts in a corner and hits the bar. Uh, I said this yesterday we can't afford to give away set pieces because this guy's lethal. He's been brilliant on set pieces. He's probably one of the best set piece takers in the league. Free kicks, nine times out of 10, always on target or inches wide. And I mean, that corner was just ridiculous. I mean, what on earth was he trying to do? Um, But, you know, I, I did a, a opposition analysis, as I always do, on Southampton a few days ago on my YouTube channel, Gunner since 96. And... I analysed the way that they play football and they did exactly what I analysed them to do, which was playing patient possession football, building it up from the back, doing almost what Arteta wants to do, but not being able to do it because he lacks the discipline in these players. But what I saw in Southampton was a group of players that were working together, that were moving the wheels in this massive Southampton machine together as a unit. And it worked. It worked because everyone was part, wanted to play a part of this type of play. It worked because everybody was invested in it. And it was beautiful to see because there was no way in hell that Arsenal were going to even get in their faces or try to make an attempt of stealing the ball from them because they controlled the tempo of the game and they controlled every aspect of what they wanted to do. Playing smart, slow build up possession football from the back um, and allowing to be able to build forward. There was a really, really big problem that I had with the way that we were playing football and that was allowing them to be able to move the ball quickly from defence into attack, into our final third in a blink of an eye. And that was because on in large patches of the game, Shaka and Elneny were invisible. They were nowhere to be seen. I was almost lost for words when I'm, when I was looking on the pitch and I could see in the center circle where, you know, where the ball is being transitioned from their defensive half to ours. um, It was just amazing to see no one there to try and make it difficult for them or to slow down the tempo. But no, it was so easy for them. One ball straight from one side to the other. And the contrast in the way the two teams were playing were very, very clear to see because on our side of the pitch, there were six, at least six Southampton shirts ready to pounce as soon as we got the ball. On their side of the pitch, there was two, two attackers, either Pepe and Nketiah or Martinelli and Nketiah, two, uh, one over the other of the wingers they're in that position not pushing forward just to maintain their positional ground and that showed me what uh, showed me one thing it showed me two things one thing that you know we are going right into the, their their tactic, the way that they want to play, their game plan. We're, we're going right into it. Um, and another thing was that they are going to be playing high-pressing football, ready to intercept at any moment, whereas Arsenal are playing naive football, allowing them to play that high-intensity, high-pressing style of football. Um, Willian was struggling early on. And like I said, it takes two players to make things work. Two players. Positions in our in our in our system, we only need two players to make things work: our central midfielder and Partey, and our number ten. Mil Smith wrote: two effective players that will do all the dirty work, that will grind out the performances and make everyone else look really really good without them doing anything extra. And because we didn't have Part 8 and Emil Smith-Rowe, instead we had Willian, Shaka and Ilneny. And that was the majority of the problems, really. Willian struggled a lot to play in a number 10 role. He almost looked better. And when I say better, I mean what we're used to seeing Willian do on the left hand side or the right hand side. But that being better than what he was doing as a number 10. And look, I really, uh, I feel bad. I feel a bit annoyed at myself for saying this, but I did feel sorry for him because you could tell that he was trying. He was really trying to play football. He was actually trying to make things work. You could see the effort. You could see the intent. But unfortunately, the Willian we saw at Chelsea is not the Willian that we're ever going to see again because you have to remember that this is a player that is declining rapidly. And I didn't think a player was... um, had the potential to decline this quickly. Um, But also because he's low on confidence as well. And I think confidence is 50% of how you perform on the pitch. So bearing that in mind, Willian in the number 10 role was almost, you're almost asking for nothing but pain and misery throughout 90 minutes of a football match. However, there wasn't much of a choice for Arteta, but there is a massive but in that, however, and that is if you don't have another number 10 or if you don't have another replacement for a Smith-Rowe, then you don't play a 4-2-3-1. It's as simple as that. If playing a 4-2-3-1 without a Smith-Rowe means William playing as a number 10, change the system. It's as simple as that. Change the system. I would have loved to have seen a 442. And I think, I mean, I I get it, it's not everyone's favorite formation when it comes to the style of football that Arteta wants to play. But I, I have this massive dream, desire. Um I'm really intrigued. There's a big part of me that wants to see Arsenal play in a 4 4 2 formation where you've got two strikers and Ketty are playing behind a Lacazette or an Aubameyang. And you've got two wingers that don't necessarily go down the wings, but play it more centrally. So a little bit more compact into the pitch. I don't know. I just, uh, uh, the idea of Arsenal playing the way they do, it works if you've got the right players, but it doesn't when you have these groups of players. And the one thing that um, I loved when Party came on, he changed everything straight away. You can tell Arsenal grabbed hold of that game. And the one thing that he did, he Party is is one of those players. He's he's a very um that it doesn't take much for him to look good. He can just step onto the pitch and just be positioned and he will look good. And he will make everyone else look good. But there were small things that he was doing that made us look efficient. And one of those things was playing the ball direct, forward, straight down the middle. Not looking down the wings, not passing it backwards, not flinging it over or diagonal pass. It was playing it directly through the middle, through the heart of Southampton's midfield and defence. And often they were (laughs) shell-shocked. You could see their faces. What? Arsenal playing football down the middle? What's going on here? And it worked. It was working for the 25 minutes that we were playing football in that type of style. It was working. There were instances where it was effective. And so, yeah, I mean, as I was saying, having Willian there as a number 10 is never going to work because Willian does not does not know how to, for some reason, he doesn't know how to function as a number 10 in this squad. And this Willian debate has been had and has been dead and buried. We know that he was a flop of a signing. And unfortunately, we also know that he has to be played because there is no other option. There's no other option because we don't have a replacement for Mil Smithro. We don't have an uh, We don't have a replacement for smith Smithro because Sabyos is injured. So who do you put there? Willock, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps Willock could have played there. Could have played there. But then, what do you say to yourself when you know that you're spending two hundred and fifty grand? Is it two hundred fifty grand? Is two hundred or two hundred fifty grand a week to a player that just sits on the bench and does not do anything. How does that sit on your conscience? And I'm talking about Arteta and Edu here. And whoever made that executive decision has a lot to answer for because it's criminal. It's criminal to be playing, paying a player that much in decline with a contract, which, by the way, doesn't expire until another two years. So whoopee do? Yes. So um, 10 minutes go. Southampton dominate the game. They've been allowed to play the football because we don't want to take the ball off them. We don't want to bring the game to them, and we can't, unfortunately, because we don't have the right players there to do that. Um, Pepe, there are instances in the game where Pepe moves into the middle and Willian moves over to the left. Um, And in my mind, in that type of system, I would really like to see Pepe play through the middle. I think the style of football that Pepe plays, which is gets the ball tries to look for opportunities where he can play the ball forward. And there was a lovely moment where he played that one-two between him and Nketiah. And those are the types of moments which makes me scream, play Pepe down the middle as a number 10. Because the one thing that the difference between Pepe and Willian is that Willian gets the ball, he starts, he stops, he slows down the momentum. And I get it, Pepe does that as well. But the one thing that Pepe does really, really well is he stops, he stutters, he moves with the ball and he plays it to someone in open. So he's got great vision. The kid has got great vision. If you watch the game and you watch him, his ability on the left hand side or right hand side is poor. It's piss poor because he has no end product. But what he tends to do time and time again is he loves playing with the striker or whoever he's partnered up with on that on that right hand side. And unfortunately, Willian can't do that. He can't. He can barely string passes together. But one thing he's really good at is his corners is his deliveries and so if you put willian on the right hand side get him to ping balls into the box and you put pepe in the middle then maybe you have something which works slightly better than seeing willian in the middle i don't know these are just thoughts in my head that i'm able to bring them out into the universe because i'm stressed (laughs) that i'm seeing performances like that um now look southampton should have been one nil up way 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 before the goal that they scored because the defending, frankly, was shambolic. Absolutely poor. I don't know what was going on at the back, but it looked like we were melting. And it also shows me what a difference Pablo, someone like Pablo Mari makes at the back. Someone who shores up the defence, makes everybody look and feel confident and composed. It's okay, guys. I am here. The tall, Spanish, good-looking defender that's going to sit here and make you guys look good. And we didn't have that today. Unfortunately, Gabriel was coming back off of um, two or three weeks off where he, he didn't play, have any football. Um, and you could see that he was struggling to reintegrate himself back into full-time competitive football. And Holding just had a really bad game. And it annoys me because he was doing so well up until this point. He was doing so well up until this point. And I I mean, look, I think the biggest problem in this game was the fact that every time Bellerin and Cedric went forward, the two centre-backs were naked. They were sat there alone and they were up against Danny Ings and Shea Adams and Walcott. And not to mention um, Diallo, Armstrong, Ward-Prowse. I mean, look, it's a beautiful looking squad Southampton have got and they really did cause problems for us and they made us look like a Sunday League team. It was very strange. It was very, very strange to see Arsenal pull out a performance like that. I don't know if I want to talk about the remainder of the first half because... Like I said, I'm not really uh, I don't really want to talk about this game and the performance that we put in, but rather the repercussions, because uh, I feel like I understand why we lost. And I can probably summarise why we lost in a sentence, but we need to look further into this loss and look a little bit more into the future of what's happened and actually, if we, if, we if, if you want to analyse this game, this is a perfect game to analyse, which will give you the answers of how our decline has come to the current position in which where we sit. Middle of the table, in fact, we're 11th now, so bottom half of the table, Europa League for the last three seasons. And well, that's pretty bad in itself, so I'm going to leave it there. And it's because we don't have a squad of players that can play the football that we want to play. In fact, they can't play the football that you should be playing at that level. It's very, very bad football. It's very naive. And it's it's very irritating because me as a 24-year-old fan of the sport and of Arsenal Football Club can tell you What you need to do do against this Southampton side to beat them. I can tell you it and you can go out there and you can beat them if you want to. But for some reason, I don't know why they allowed Southampton to walk all over them. Because I could have told you from the beginning of the game that they are going to play high pressing, high intensity football. Me telling you that information should automatically in your head tell you, okay, fine, as soon as they've got the ball, we need to go to them and we need to make sure we close them down we need to play high up the pitch our defensive formation needs to be needs to be very disciplined I don't want to see Cedric and I don't want to see Bellerin going, driving forward for no reason. We need to sit in a low block, we need to make sure that our central midfielders are tightly knit together, we need to be compact, we need to make the sh- uh, pitch look smaller and we need to bring the Southampton players the dangerous ones, I'm talking about Walcott I'm talking about Armstrong, I'm talking about Ings and Adams, we need to restrict their space and we need to make sure that we are counterattacking as quickly as possible whilst making sure that they don't have any more than six or seven passes or any more than six or seven touches of the ball and it seemed as if arsenal didn't care we didn't we gave them all the time in the world we allowed them to push forward the central midfielders were invisible to close down any form of um closure or closing down i don't know what the hell i'm trying to say It was too easy for them. It was as if we were a championship side and they were a a Premier League winning side. It was way too easy. And there was no reason for this team to be low in confidence after coming on the back of all of those victories, all those performances, especially the one against Newcastle in the league. There was no reason. Whatsoever, and I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not here to draw certain players out or analyze a certain player's movements and the way that they perform. This is a collective defeat. This is because nobody wanted to play together. I saw 11 players that were playing effectively for themselves, and in contrast, when you look at Southampton, everything worked because everybody was invested in what they were doing. They each knew their roles and they executed it perfectly. And it's not because they had better players than us. No, I mean, let let me talk you through the squad we had. Leno, Bellerin, Holden, Gabriel, Cedric. You're talking about five players there that have got enough Premier League experience to be winning games like this. Or at least putting in a good performance. Elneni and Shaka. You can't be serious to say that these guys don't have enough experience or a performance in their locker room to bring out and to impress people. Pepe, Willian and Martin Martinelli, one of those is exciting. And look, I feel a bit sorry for Martinelli because I think he was taken off too early. I think the ball wasn't being played enough on his side. I think we were trying too much to go on the right hand side than on the left hand side. And Nketiah up front, obviously, we know Nketiah's story and I've Said it time and time again. I don't think he plays well as a lone striker. He needs someone to play with in order to look good. Um, But look, I'm talking about eleven players here that have talent. You know, I'm not talking about. (laughs) Let's have a look at their bench: Lundulu, Vokins, Valery, Long, Watts. Do do you know what? Do, Do you see where I'm coming from now? And this was our B team. And so it frustrates me because you had 11 players who had the capability of putting out a good, solid performance, but they didn't. And who do you blame for that? Because in my book, I can't blame Arteta for that. He put out the players that he believed will will put in a good performance. The same players who, by the way, have been moaning, whining, complaining that they don't get enough football. They don't get started enough. And every time he gives them an opportunity to prove me wrong, guys, prove me wrong. Give me a headache. Nothing. Nothing comes of it. Because it was a complete and utter let down. Um. Now, look, it changed. I mean, in the second half, they came out and we were absolutely poor not in sync, losing the ball, allowing them to play their football, allowing them to put the pressure on us, sitting back and inviting on the pressure and taking it, laying down and taking it, giving away cheap free kicks, giving away cheap fouls. (sighs) But look, the second half after Partey and Saka come on was a massive, massive turnaround. And it just showed me instantly there. It only takes one or two players in that side for us to then start looking good. And we've seen it time and time again. We saw that with a Smith-Rowe when he came in. We saw it with Lacazette when he came in in the middle rather than Aubameyang. And automatically, everybody started to look good the moment that... um. Party and Saka came on. And there's a few reasons why I've spoken about Partey a little bit. So, you know, Saka do, did what Saka does best. Taking the game to them. And it's not, it wasn't difficult, guys. It really wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult for you to be committed in this game. It wasn't difficult to say, right, I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to play football here. When they get the ball, I'm going to apply the pressure. I'm going to make sure that we are the ones driving this game. We go to them. We don't allow them to come to us. And that's exactly what Partey and Saka did. Partey, as soon as he came into the middle, he made himself that authoritative figure. He had that aura about him that he was going to control. That was his domain. No one was getting past him. And when he had the ball, it was going to be going in a dangerous area. And that's what he did. He got the ball, played it forward. Every pass that he made was meaningful. He did lose a few passes. A few passes were intercepted. The ideas were really good. You could see where they were going. But there was still a bit of sloppiness. You can see the sloppiness because obviously once you when you have nine, ten players around you that are playing sloppy football, it sort of somehow infects into your game. But regardless, even still, opportunities were being made. And they were slowly losing their control. And maybe it was because Southampton was sitting off and they just wanted to see the game out. But I don't like to believe that. I, I I like to believe that Southampton wanted to score that second goal and completely see it off. Or at least restrict us from attacking them. But it seemed as if they were unable to do that. So 65 minute goes. And that was probably that, you know, the up until that. um So from, from the moment that Partey and Saka came on up until the 65th minute, which is about 10 minutes, probably our best sort of spell. Uh, taking, taking charge of the game, the shape of the team looked a little, a little bit different, pressing higher, looking more aggressive and trying to create more chances. Um, and you know, and Ketia gets in, he gets an opportunity, stabs a shot, which is deflected. Um, and you know, almost goes in the back of the net if it's not for, 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 for the save made by 4 Um, another opportunity created Saka does incredibly well to keep the ball in a great uh, keep the ball on the left hand side and oh sorry he, he does really ball, he does really well to keep the ball bellerin then puts in a really really good cross um hits walker walker peters hand um which should have been in my opinion a handball I'm not sure why it wasn't a handball really really strange um Bellerin, again, had a really good, bright uh, second half. I'm not sure why he came off because the moment that he came off, Saka then had to go left back. And that was a decision for me, which was a little bit strange, a little bit questionable. Um, But regardless, Laka coming on was a positive sign. We tried to make things work. However, we tried to make things work too late. Um, And so 75 minutes goes, looking really dangerous, opportunities being created. We've seen plenty of the ball. Southampton are sat back, trying to see the game out. Um, And you you could see a lot more positive things happening. And it only took two or three players to make that happen. But it shouldn't need to take two or three players to make that happen. Because everyone in that locker room had a performance in them. But for whatever reason, it just... There was no one taking initiative of that game. Um, And look, that's it, really. We, we, we press and we try to get a result, but it doesn't work. Ultimately, we come out with a 1-0 loss. And, you know, I'm asking myself at the end of that game, how am I feeling? Am I pissed off? I'm kind of relieved that that game is over we don't need to look back at that game anymore because it's done now the fa cup is done we can sort of cross that out of our calendars and now i think the concentration now this is good for us it's good for us because it allows us to fully focus on what the most important things are things are to us right now which is the premier league and the europa league And so I get a little bit confused when I am hearing complaints from a lot of fans about team selection. Why did we go for such a weakened side? Why did we not prioritise the FA Cup? And I get the impression that these questions would have been asked if it had been the other way around. We had progressed into the fifth round to play Wolves. And we had played the same team that we played tonight in the Premier League and then had lost. So you can't really win either way. I really, really hope that we come out with a victory on Tuesday. And I'm fairly confident we will. And that's because our strongest players have been rested. I hope whatever's happening with Obamiang is sorted and he's okay and his family's okay. Because we really need him for Tuesday. Um, but if not, I'm sure Martin Ely will come into play or Pepe or someone, you know. But ultimately, we'll have the core of our backbone. We'll have Tierney back. We'll have Partey back. We'll have Mill smith row back. We'll have Saka back. Those four are the players that will take the game to the opposition. They will take the initiative. And look, so I just want to close on some thoughts as I finish. I don't want to make this too long. Um, but there's one thing that I i mean, the, the most important thing I realised was that we don't have a squad ready to compete for free competitions. The squad depth is not there. And I don't count these players as squad players because I don't think they're good enough to be squad players. These are players that are pushing for first team football. And unfortunately, they're, gonna, they're not going to find that here. And the less they find it here, the less confidence they'll have, the more complaining they'll do. And ultimately, the poorer performances that they will give. And so I think it's ready to move on. A lot of players still. A number of players have added themselves to the clear out list today and I'm hoping that Arteta, Edu see that and I hope they understand that there is still a massive job yet to be done. In order to compete for all these competitions, we need to have a reliable squad who is able to take the initiative of playing football the right way and having the confidence to play the right way. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. Maybe. But I can name you four or five players on that pitch. that shouldn't have been on that pitch. shouldn't have played. And it made a real, real difference. Um, There are... Positions in our squad that need filling. We need at least another two central midfielders. We need at least an attacking midfielder. We need a left back. We need um, a striker. There are many positions that we need right now. And these problems are not going to be addressed in one window or two windows. It's going to take at least three windows to address these problems. And... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say, really. Uh, The criticism being thrown at Arteta. I don't know if Arteta could have done anything more to pull out a performance. Because he's clearly shown his intent, which is to prioritise the league. We know what type of squad he's going to play in the Premier League and we know that Southampton are going to play a weakened side in the Premier League. So I'm pretty confident that we are going to see a very good performance from Arsenal and probably three points at the end of it on Tuesday. And I hope that's the case. I really do. Because, yeah, uh, I'm just, yeah, I, I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I've answered most of the questions that I've had in my head. We're out of the FA Cup. It sucks to be out of the FA Cup. It sucks to not progress forward. However, having that burden on our shoulders might have caused more problems for us in the league and the Europa League than we than expected or initially expected. Especially with the games coming so thick and fast, and Benfica around the corner as well. We've got bigger fish to fry. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. If you did enjoy this, please do give uh, give us a five star review on Apple Podcast. Um, if you have any questions or comments, or you have any messages for me regarding the podcast, also any feedback is brilliant, because we're. I'm always looking to improve the content. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at GunnerSince96. I've also got a YouTube channel in which I release content every single day. You can find that on since 96 as well. Please do subscribe, like, and share the uh, videos as well. Share around, of course. We are trying to connect with, or I am, I say, I say we like we're some organisation. It's not we, it's me, it's I. Um. Hopefully, maybe in the future, there will be a Wii. There's nothing more that I like than to be connecting with fans from all around the world. And I would love nothing more than to make this my career, a way that I get paid for a living. um, Because I love Arsenal Football Club more than I love most things in life. And it's my biggest passion. Okay, I'm not going to waffle on anymore. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I'll be back again f- for the Southampton game on Tuesday. So you'll be listening to this podcast, on not this one, but <laughs> the one in the Premier League on Wednesday. Okay, cool. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy the, your rest. Enjoy your rest of the week. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>